Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, ethics, religion, and art. I'm Stephen Garadini. And I'm Chris Kreitschow. And today we're going to talk about superheroes. We've spent the last three weeks talking about really heavy things, really important things. And so now we're just going to talk about superheroes because we like superheroes and we think they're great. And it's on our website. And it's on our website. It's one of the things that we thought we were going to talk a lot about. So we're going to talk a lot about it today. In true Winning Slowly style, we're not just going to geek out, although geeking out will happen in this next half hour. Fear not. We will be talking about how people deal with success and failure. So this will apply to the tech world, to, you know, politics, to pretty much any arena where people succeed and or fail and sometimes in succession. A.K.A. life. Everywhere. All the time. (laughs) All the things. So, we're going to use superheroes to talk about life, which is kind of what we do already. So, one thing that we're interested in is that there are competing, well, competing, but also corollary camps of superheroes. So, you've got your Marvel world, you've got your DC world. You've got your X-Men world, which is kind of built out of Sony because Sony bought the rights to the X-Men in Marvel's Dark Days. And you've got uh, the Spider-Man franchise, which is also the same thing, but not run by Sony. I think you have that backwards. Fox has... Fox is the one that has uh, X-Men. Sony has Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. Um, We'll get to the the reasons that I'm rejecting all Spider-Man things very quickly. Um, But... So, yes, so there are four major camps, Marvel, DC, Fox, and Sony, and they all approach failure and success with their franchises in various ways. We'll start by just noting that, one, the idea that we would be having a conversation about the way that superhero movies reflect massive-scale success or failure, etc., 15 years ago would have been quite strange. There were superhero movies prior to that and some of them had done well but the notion that we were going to have multiple superhero movies every year this is new very new uh starting about that point though you kicked off a whole sequence of things which really started with the original spider-man movie directed by sam raimi and in 2000 the original x-men movie it's hard to believe that's been 14 years but there you go yeah so Speaking of that X-Men movie, both Chris and I went and saw X-Men Days of Future Past pretty recently, and we both loved it. It was great. We thought it was fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed the story immensely. I enjoyed the the backdrop of the history. (laughs) I enjoyed the clever script. I enjoyed the clever storytelling. And I especially enjoyed the ending where they just said, Dear Brian Singer, get out of here. The irony by, being that it was directed by Brian Singer. Or not Brian Singer. The guy... I'm going to do this the entire time, guys. <laughs> I'm going to do this the entire time. The director of the previous X-Men, X-Men movies. 3. Yeah. They basically said, whoever you are, get out of here. 
Uh, no, no, that's that's what's hilarious. It's the same guy. He reset himself. This concerns me greatly. <laughs> he looked at X three and said, "Maybe that maybe it wasn't such a good idea to kill off half of my starring characters." Yeah, they just unkilled all of them. <laughs> maybe wow. I should reset this universe a bit. Wow, I thought for sure there were different directors. Maybe well, maybe that I'm makes wrong. this. This makes it even more applicable <laughs> to what we're about to say in dealing with success and failure. So we can generally agree that X3 was a giant failure, and apparently even Brian Singer can agree with this. It, it, and Yeah, Brian Singer directed Days of Future Past, and, oh yes, Brett Ratner directed The Last Stand. Singer yeah, directed, see, yeah, okay, you're right. I was totally right, come Singer on now. Directed, Singer directed X-Men and X2. And then Brett Ratner came on and Fixed killed everything. everyone. And then Brian oh, yeah, Singer came everyone, back yeah. and said, maybe not. Let, let's yeah. not. Let's unkill everyone. Yes. Yeah. Hey, do we want to just start over since we just made like nine scripts in a row? <laughs> I think it's way better if we just keep recording and let people hear how how interesting this is. All right. Success and failure. All <laughs> exactly. in one podcast. <laughs> we let you hear our failures. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so... X-Men, there was a there was terrible X2 and X3, and then they just reset the whole thing for Days of Future Past. But not only did they reset it, they reset it in a really interesting, creative, and kind of satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't just imagine that nothing had happened. Like, they took it to its logical extreme and then did a really cool, neat time travel thing. Um, and they even kind of threw some, like, time travel jargon in there for the time travel nerds <laughs> to be like, hey, we know what we're doing. Sort they basically of. tried to pull the same thing that the Star Trek reboots did. And it's kind of funny that both of those uh, major franchises have taken the same move. Let's use time travel to reboot because, oh, my gosh, do we need a reboot? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, First Class was great. And it basically gives them a clean slate. You know, they took the foundation they built off of with First Class, where they brought in new people to play the same characters, but much, much younger. Basically told an X-Men origin story, which, of course, yep. is what the first X-Men movie was in some ways. But gave the origin story for the old guys and then said, okay let's tie these two together and give ourselves as much room to play with as we want. If we want to shoot a new movie with Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, we can do that because we reset everything. So yep. they took a failure of sorts in, in X3, which did well at the box office, but, you know, ruined the universe. Yeah. <laughs> and said... <laughs> How let's... often can you say that? <laughs> yeah, we, we ruined the universe. <laughs> So they took and said, let's let's reset and give ourselves new ground to play with. And they did it really well. They they took their failure and took their failure as an opportunity to do something fun and new and do it in a way that opens up the universe for, you know, more exploration and whatnot. And that is a great response to say, yeah, here's a great opportunity. Let's instead of seeing our failure as a, a, a place to wallow in self-loathing. Instead to say, well, let's use this as an excuse to tell another fun story that lets us tell yet more fun stories. I like it's it. It's true. It's true. And Days of Future Past was already like a comic book like mm-hmm. idea. So they were able to even incorporate it. Obviously, they changed some things. Like um, but they were able to Wolverine the main character instead of yeah. Kitty Pride. Yeah. <laughs> because Wolverine is awesome and everyone's favorite forever. Yeah. And I think it would have been, well, I don't know. 
<laughs> I think it was a good decision. I think it I was probably about to, was, too. I was about to say, I don't know if, if Ellen Page could have been a leading, and then I was like, wait, that's already happened a lot. <laughs> that was a dumb thing to say. Um, so, but anyway, so that's one way that you can respond to failure, right, is take stock of what you did, see where you can improve, and get back on the horse. Um, and, you know, even if you fail extremely publicly, you can still reasonably have, you know, this response. Um, now, obviously, there are going to be different levels of failure. There are <laughs> moral failures versus, you know, project failures versus things were out of our control failures. But in general, we approve of how X-Men decided to, you know, address some of their shortcomings in X2 and X3. So one series or group of, of movies that we kind of don't approve how <laughs> they are addressing their success and or failure is that poor DC comic world. So let me get this straight. You, you managed to come up with a brilliant storytelling setting in the case of your Chris Nolan directed and written Batman series. You then decided that the right way to take your series off the back of this overwhelming success was to hand it to a director who is perhaps the least like Christopher Nolan in all of Hollywood, right? Well, okay, I mean, Zack Snyder probably isn't as far away from Christopher Nolan as Michael Bay, Bay, but he's close. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's he's almost as far on the opposite. He thinks cool action scenes where Superman punches people through a building for half an hour constitute epic filmmaking. He's yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the guy who made 300. This should give us all a moment of concern. Right. Like, Whatever not saying you think anything. Of 300, yeah, I was about to say, not saying anything about 300. It particularly fit into the kind of storytelling and movie making that has made Marvel really successful. And we'll get to Indeed. Marvel's connected universe in a minute. But yeah. looking and saying, here's this formula for success that we had over here. And here's that formula for success that they have over there. Let's smash them together and hand it to a person who's demonstrated not at all that he actually has the chops to do this. Yeah. I'm just but not Batman versus Superman, it. <laughs> it's coming. It's gonna happen. Matt Damon, it's happening. You mean Ben Affleck? <laughs> oh my gosh. What is wrong with me? You, we, we'll know. get to see Ben Affleck being old and grumpy and Henry Cavill standing around looking brooding in slightly brownified tones the whole time. It'll be great. Batman. And, th- and then Wonder Woman will show up and be all, hey, guys. Darkness. Hey, guys, I'm, I'm not sure which side I'm on. Who should I help? And Batman will say, it'll be me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch uh, Superman in the face. Oh, my gosh. With kryptonite. Yeah. yeah. So all that to say, we both loved the Batman trilogy that Christopher Nolan did. And to be fair, anybody following Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy was going to have a pretty rough time. (laughs) True story. But Zack Snyder, maybe not the guy I would have picked. Maybe not. If only for the fact that, you know, his his, uh, predilection towards action sequences not super meshing with how <laughs> you know people actually watch superhero movies because um, superhero movies aren't action movies which is kind of a difficult distinction sometimes <laughs> but it's true they're not action movies they're superhero movies 
And furthermore, I, Zack Snyder is just not super talented at directing a like a plot line. Can I be so bold? <laughs> Can yeah. I say that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think the other thing you have going on here is DC looking at someone else's success and saying, we want that. And instead of looking at what they do well and what their talent pool lets them do well, yeah, they looked at Marvel and said, we want what they've got. Because Marvel is making oodles and heaps and gobs of money. So it's very mm-hmm. understandable that Warner Brothers and DC want in on that pile of cash. Right. But they have not learned the lesson of what Marvel is doing well. They're just trying to kind of imitate the the symptoms rather than the actual causes of Marvel's success. And so you have the Batman versus Superman movie, which is the way to lay a foundation for a Justice League movie so that you can get your stars all showing up together and so on. But those are the things that have made Marvel's movies tie together. Those things aren't necessarily what has made Marvel successful. That's true. Mostly Marvel is successful because their movies are funny and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, we've said a lot of things about Batman. <laughs> Neither of those have been funny. <laughs> or, I guess entertaining, yes, but not in the same way that Marvel's movies are entertaining. Right. You don't really see Alfred or, or Bruce Wayne or slash Batman cracking witty puns while beating people up. That That's more Tony Stark's. Yeah, that's... Of. That's that's Iron Man's purview. Um, so I was entertained by the Batman movies, but not in the same way that I was um, amused, I should say. Right. Um, but so yeah, so that's so that's definitely a winning slowly problem. Is instead of looking at your own strengths and weaknesses and saying let's craft stories that work with this, because even if you couldn't, you know, get Christopher Nolan to sign up for more movies because Christopher <laughs> Nolan wants to go do Christopher Nolan things. Interstellar. Um, looking forward to it. Um, even if he wants to go do Christopher Nolan things, you can still find thoughtful, you know, directors mm-hmm. who want to say, hey, let's. Uh, Let's make a new story here. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's you, do the kinds of things that worked so well in Batman, namely telling thoughtful stories that are situated against the backdrop of the kinds of thoughts and concerns that the audience is facing right now. That's what made all of those movies so compelling. I know. These are basically the new James Bond films. <laughs> Super interesting, right? Super interesting. Um, you know, there's definitely directors who could have taken that and said, hey, I do dark things but i'm also interested in comic books um you know the director of pan's labyrinth who i almost just said was benicio del toro but that's not true (laughs) because my brain is not working today um he also did the hellboy series um so you know he's got you know serious directorial chops for you know important detailed plot lines um but he also you know enjoys a good Mm-hmm. superhero punch so you know i think there are definitely ways that um and other directors as well um that they could have gone with but you know Zack snyder will blow things up for you <laughs> and if you think that's the recipe for success well there you go i mean superman movies right mm. and then so, and then we have another case which is the spider-man saga Okay, so before we even say anything about the Spider-Man saga, let me first apologize to all listeners. I am an unapologetic... Okay, okay, I'm apologizing, so I'm not (laughs) truly apologetic, but I'm a largely apologetic 
unapologetic uh, fan of the first three Spider-Man movies. I thought Tobey Maguire was great. I thought Kirsten Dunst was great. I My favorite superhero since I was a little kid has been Spider-Man. So, yes, some of those movies were ridiculous. There's a regrettable dance scene. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it was it's, so bad. It's regrettable, okay? It's regrettable. But, like, you know, sometimes your friends do stupid things, okay? I just felt awkward the going. Sometimes your friends do stupid things, and they're still your friends. So... Uh, yeah, so I loved those first three movies uh, very, very much. And I so, will confess that I haven't actually seen The Amazing Spider-Man or The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I also loved the original movies a great deal, and I, I just sort of felt betrayed. Yes, especially since they decided to just completely reboot by giving us the same movie again. <laughs> why it's would you do that? the origin story of Peter Parker in high school. Guys, we... Why, why would you like, do that? It's like 2001, again. Why, why would you do that? That hurts my soul. <laughs> it tries to erase my history. Ugh. So that's not necessarily a way that we approve of dealing with your past either and just, like, imagining that it didn't exist and starting <laughs> over. Like, I'm sure somewhere Toby Maguire is like, I don't... What? Why, what? What? <laughs> mm. <laughs> but... And, of so, course, what's particularly telling about it is that the folks at Sony don't seem to, and by the folks, I mean, it, it seems like the higher-ups at Sony don't seem to have learned from the things that eventually led them to say, no more Sam Raimi, even though it wasn't actually Sam Raimi's fault, because they said, no, look, you need to have Venom and Sandman and uh, Hobgoblin or however they wanted to play Harry in yeah. the final spider you need to have three villains all at the same time. And Sam Raimi kind of said, please, no. And they said, no, you have to. And he said, oh, okay. And then they canned him because the movie didn't work well because they crammed in three villains. Yeah. Well, suddenly all the reviews for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 are complaining about there being, wait for it, three, three villains. villains. <laughs> and I'm thinking... I sense a pattern here, and the director has changed, yeah. and the writers have changed, and the actors have changed... The folks at Sony don't seem to be learning from previous failure. Winning slowly yeah. tip. Learn from yeah. previous failure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, how I have loved thee. How I will continue to watch the original trilogy. <laughs> the less amazing, apparently, but still <laughs> awesome original trilogy. Up next, as far as I can tell, is probably the ultimate Spider-Man, if you're tracking with how comic books do it. That's right. And then it's going to be, like, the super amazing, incredible, wickedly intelligent <laughs> Spider-Man. I was I actually know. referencing actual ongoing comic book series because you had Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just being angry about Spider-Man. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Stephen. No, you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to no. know. No. Quote a, a different movie trilogy where people didn't learn from success or failure properly. Right, right. We won't talk about that today. Not today. But what we will talk about in the next 10 minutes here or so is the gold standard of superheroing up until this point um, that Marvel franchise. Mother, I feel it. Sorry, I can't get that out of my head all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it's like their marketing push has been wildly successful. Oh, my gosh. So both both Chris and I have been incredibly impressed by their ability to push Guardians of the Galaxy, which by 
all accounts should not make any sense at all. It's a talking raccoon with a gun and a, a talking tree. tree with a gun. Um, and Chris Pratt and like Karen Gillan, who was wonderful. And yeah, it's just like I think super it's weird. Saldana, actually, no, Karen Gillan's in that movie, dog. Somewhere, I think. No, she's in that movie. I don't even care. She's in that movie. <laughs> uh, Trust me, my friend Jeff and I were like super hardcore geeking out when we heard that news. Because we're also all great big Whovians. We love us yeah. some Doctor Who. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, like, they've done an incredible job pushing this incredibly bizarre set of of heroes who, to be fair, have a beloved comic book fan base. Um, you know, but this doesn't seem like, you know, something that would immediately be successful. Um, no. It, yeah. Criminals I mean, in the in the underworld with... Groot. Right. I, Vin I don't Diesel. understand. I don't understand at all. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. The movie's going to be great. In fact, the it'll second, probably be better than Thor. It will almost certainly be better than <laughs> Thor, The Dark World. Um, and the second one is already announced, just in case you were worried. <laughs> so we were kind of amused that this happened, that a sequel was announced to a film that hasn't even been, um, you know... Released. Released yet. But... The sales, early what? Yeah. The early preview tickets, the pre-sales have been really really good, so maybe they know what they're doing. <laughs> and if anyone has a record of showing that they know what they're doing, it's it's Marvel. It's who true. seems to be able to say, "We're going to churn out at least solidly decent superhero movies mm-hmm. twice a year, every yep. year since 2007." Yep. That's yep. really, really impressive, just the sheer level of consistency. And, yeah, there have been some that were less awesome and some that were more awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Thor movies have been decent, okay-ish movies. Yeah. Iron Man 2, eh. I liked Iron Man 2. Eh. I thought it was fun. But they, they're they entertaining and amusing, and then every once in a while you have the original Iron Man or the Avengers or what have you, and they just knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's also impressive and easy to forget that before, like, Iron Man the movie, like, Iron Man wasn't that big of a character. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, he was was part of the Avengers for sure, but he was not anybody's favorite, like, by a long shot. Um, And then through, you know, perfect casting and great scripting um, or lack thereof... um, (laughs) And it was just a great movie, and it made, you know, Iron Man into a star, um, and which, you know, helped the Avengers movie along. And then the Avengers movie was great, and Mark Ruffalo is an excellent Hulk. Finally. Whereas, yeah, the two Hulks before him were not super great at being the Hulk. But um, so it's, it's really impressive to us that they've had the sustained success, but also that they have a plan mm-hmm. and that they um, – they, they say, they claim that they have a whole arc until 2028, which seems kind of amazing, <laughs> kind of don't believe it. But if they say so, um, I mean, there is an Ant-Man movie in 2016, so I guess <laughs> right. I guess they're, they're really mining the depths there. Um, One of the things that's striking about this that does stand in contrast to what DC seems to be trying to do is that there is a man behind the curtain, and that's... 
Kevin Fage, I think is how his name is pronounced, or Fagey, I'm not sure. But he's the guy back there planning and coordinating and making sure that a cameo from this movie pops up mm-hmm. over there and sets things mm-hmm. up and keeps things flowing nicely. That's yep. a huge part of their success. Now, the flip yep. side to all their success is they just announced a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 before Guardians of the Galaxy 1 comes out. This seems like they might be getting a little cocky. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tempting, you know, when you've had, like, sustained success on the level that they've had. Right. You know, they want to say, like, hey, this is just going to work because we're Marvel. Awesome. <laughs> you know, and like I said, the, the pre-sales for Guardian of the Galaxy have been really great. And so there's no indication that this is going to go poorly unless right. the Guardians of the Galaxy movie is actually really terrible. <laughs> right. Like, there's still a possibility that everybody's really excited by this marketing pitch, and then the movie is just absolutely bad. Right. And let's like, be honest. The marketing pitch, however good or bad the movie is, is brilliant. I mean, I've seen someone cut together trailers for the original Star Wars trilogy with it, and it mm-hmm. looks fantastic. And I think, I want to go see that. Mo- wait, wait. I've, al- I've already seen those movies. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, you know, an a example of how having success and being able to build on success is really good. Um, But you also have to be careful to make sure that you don't just imagine that you will always have success. Great, kids. Don't get cocky. Yeah, because Ant-Man, like, they're going to have to have a really, really good (laughs) marketing pitch for Ant-Man. And and it better be a really well-scripted and well-acted movie for that to work on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Because at first blush, I think, what? Yeah. I mean, Doctor Strange is going to be fun, but yeah, (laughs) Ant-Man, that's bold. (laughs) One of the things that that indicates, though, is it, and this is a good thing to take away, I think, they seem to have the willingness to say, okay, we've built ourselves a foundation, and we have enough financial wiggle room here, and let's be honest, it's probably a lot more than wiggle room. (laughs) We have enough financial foundation here that we can go take some risks now. And that's yeah. fun, and that's a neat. That is a good thing to do when you have that kind of success artistically yeah. and whatnot. We've talked about this a bit with bands back during our mm-hmm. season zero sequence of, mm-hmm. okay, we've established ourselves as this. Can we can we pivot a bit? Can we start doing new things and do them well? And I think taking that kind of experimentation along the way, being willing not just to milk your cash cows of Iron Man and Thor and so on, but actually to experiment and go make an Ant Man movie. That's that's cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it definitely shows that they have um, a really good sense of you know this is what we do, this is what we can do, this is what we can try, and so I think that again that's one of the reasons why Marvel is the you know bar for mm-hmm. for best superhero movies is because they've been able to make good movies that also happen to be superhero movies, and then they've been able to cast well, and mm-hmm. they've been able to um, sustain that success, and then they haven't, you know, kind of gone off the deep end anywhere yet. So <laughs> Right. They've not made any dreadful films yet. Yes, that the, is The true. worst that you can say about any of them is that they're just all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely impressive to us, and so as long as they don't get cocky and just make a crappy film or two... I think that Marvel's going to stay on top of the game, mostly because the competition is not anywhere near there. <laughs> oh, how we wish that, one, DC would hire someone like Kevin Feige. Two, 
Sony would just give Spider-Man back to Marvel. Yeah, that'd be great. Three, X- that Fox X-Men's doing just, all right. Yeah, X-Men's doing some fun stuff, but it would be great if they would actually collaborate with Marvel, so Marvel Studios, so that they could say, yeah, you guys can have those, but let's let's tie them together in fun little ways. That would be mm-hmm. super fun. It would be fun. It would be fun. But yeah, so that's how we can deal with success and failure in a winning slowly sort of way, as told by superheroes. What One thing we should always remember is that winning slowly in movies doesn't mean making your movie go really, really slow by punching people through buildings for half an yeah. hour. Yeah, Zack Snyder, not, I'm looking at you. That's not what we mean. That We don't want slow movies. <laughs> we want successful movies that win slowly. <laughs> fast fast movies. That's good. <laughs> or, or at least just well-paced movies. Yeah, okay, well-paced movies. <laughs> Winning well-pacedly. Winning well-pacedly, I like it. <laughs> uh... This has been episode four of season one of Winning Slowly. All of our content is available under a Creative Commons attribution license. The opening music is licensed under the terms noted in the show notes. Don't forget that you can follow us on iTunes and on um, app.net and Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, I've been Chris Kreitcho. And I am and will be Stephen Caradini. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Winning Slowly. <laughs> Did you for- yeah, yeah, I forgot you just, my thing. You just forgot to do the other <laughs> half of that. Okay, so here we go again. <laughs>